God, we thank you for what you're doing in this building. And Lord, it's, it's something that is unique to today. It's unique to today because this is a different group than what it was last week. But it's a group that's supposed to be here for a reason. We didn't, we didn't show up this morning uh, by chance. But Lord, we're here for a purpose. And God, I just pray this morning... Um, I just pray this morning that uh, that purpose can be fulfilled. That purpose can be realized. And Lord, just as your, your word communicates something about your love to us, uh, God, we want to respond to that love. We want to respond to what you're doing this morning. And so God, even in the, uh, in the songs that we've sang up until this point, the song, One Thing Remains. But no matter what's going on in my life, no matter the things that come up against me that are from the enemy or from the world, or Lord, the things that come up against us individually or us corporately, Father, one thing remains, and it's the fact that you are a God of love. You're a God who wants to love his children on a, a level that, man, we can't even understand. So this morning, Father, we don't want to step in until you're here. We don't want to let any of the flesh deter the spirit this morning. So what we ask for, Father, is a dying of ourselves so that you can come in. And you can be and speak to our hearts, Father. And be the God that we've asked you to be. The God that you are, Father. Let me say that. The God that you are to us. We want to let that happen this morning. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. We ask for your spirit to be here in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. You guys are free free to sit down. Now, can you take me up even more? I don't know what it is with the microphones today. Sorry. Um, thank you so much. There we go. Thank you so much for being here this morning. You could have decided to be anywhere. Um, but you have come to spend time with us today, and I'm... Um, extremely grateful for that. I, I never want to miss a Sunday where I tell you guys that because you being here is so perfect. But just like I said, you're not here by chance. Like you're here because God wants to say something to you. And what we're going to be talking about this morning is this thing that gets misunderstood because of, how do I say this? It gets misunderstood and misplaced and misused because of how we treat one another. And it's this thing called love. Today, I get the wonderful opportunity of talking about Jesus' love, God's love. Because you guys, Romans 8 has been good, hasn't it? Super good. But it's been super tough at the same time. All of Romans has been amazing. But my goodness, it just, it says so much to us about us, about Christ, about the Father, about the Spirit. There's fun messages to preach. And there's not fun messages to preach. Well, I'm going to tell you today, today's... Today's a fun one. Um, but we're continuing in Romans 8, and we're actually going to get a chance to close the chapter today, which is great. Um, but what Romans 8 has simply been about is glorifying the power of God, right? We've been talking about that. Romans 6, 7, and 8 is kind of the jewel of the book, whereas Rome is, Rome, Romans is the jewel of the Bible, all right? It's a great, great book. So this ending of chapter 8, I don't want to launch off into chapter 9. 
until we understand what's going on at the end of chapter 8. And it's pertaining to God's love. Now, I'm not talking about, oh, let's just sit around the fire and sing kumbaya. You know what I'm saying? And it's just so, mm, just so warm and fuzzy. We're not talking about that. Okay? But this love is something that I think is misunderstood. Especially in this day and age. Because what do we say to one another? Even people who've been married for years and years, they say what? I love you. Right? Love is something that is a hot topic for the secular world. Saying that, why can't we just love whoever we want to love? Right? I'm going to say this. I'm going to ask you this question. Do you even know what love is? Do we even know where love comes from? We don't know what love is. I'll be 100% honest with you. Why? Because of how we treat one another. Does that make sense? But what I do want you to know is that by the end of this message, you will understand this agape, this unconditional love that the Lord has for us huh, is supposed to come through you. There's no way you can conjure this up. So when, uh, those of you who are married, those of you who are in relationships, those of you who are not, saying this word is huge. Because do we really know what it means? Or do you really have Christ loving through you to other people? Does that make sense this morning? I'm going to spend time talking about love because that's what the chapter ends with. If we don't get that, we won't get the rest of the message. We just won't. Anybody in here today? Amen? No? Okay. You're not going to have to talk to me. You're going to have to talk to me today. <laughs> but as we dive into this, what's been communicated last week, I loved those scriptures. It was Romans 8, 31 through 37. We're going to be looking at um, 30, 38 and 39 today. But 31 through 37, Paul begins to make these rhetorical, these, he presents rhetorical questions, but they, they come by way of statements almost. Now, a rhetorical question is what? A question that's asked where the answer is already either visible, obvious, it's already been stated. So I brought this this effectual facts message to you last week, saying that when Jesus says certain things, when God says things through Paul, or the word in general from Genesis to Revelation, those things are supposed to be effectual. We're not supposed to just hold them. They're supposed to change your life. You're not supposed to just know them and then spit them out at a time when you're like, okay, yeah, I can reference that scripture. I'm, I feel like a good Christian today. Nah. It's supposed to change you. And what was spoken from 31 to 37 is conclusionary in nature. Because from uh, Romans 1 all the way up into Romans 8, the latter half of Romans 8, Paul's making all kinds of statements. He's, he's telling us about what it means to follow Christ, what it means uh, to be close to him, what it means, uh, characteristics of the, the Spirit, characteristics, characteristics excuse me, of Christ, of the Father. And he makes this statement by saying, what then shall we say to these things? He makes a statement right after that. He asks a question with the facts already presented. And he says, if God is for you, who? Tell me, who can be against you? Huh, come on. I don't know about you guys, but it just, that, that scripture right there gives me chills. Because when I walk into a place, no matter who's against me in that facility, 
or in the atmosphere that I'm in, whoever has some kind of whatever against what Christ has made me to be, there's nothing that that person can do. Why? Because Christ is for me. Ladies and gentlemen, he's for you too. Do you, do you live that way though? Do you have that type of confidence when you walk into a place? Not lording it over people, not being arrogant in your walk with Christ, but my goodness, if he's for you, then, then what opposition is strong enough to come against you? Nothing. That's what the word says. That's the truth. Guess what? That's supposed to change your life. I hope it does. I hope the word cuts right in here and gets right to that inner person. This is encouraging. Everybody's like, you know, maybe you need to get some more coffee in your system or something. <laughs> Caffeine. Yeah. I like to make jokes. And sometimes in my head, I pause because I'm about to make a joke. And then half the time, I'm like, nah, don't go there. So that was one of those moments, pregnant pause. The Lord said, look, son, you need to read this. Um, so verses 31 through 37. Paul's making these statements. If, if, if God is for you, who can be against you? Who's the one who judges? He does. Who can bring a charge against you? Nobody. He's the one who condemns. And then he's making a statement in verse 36. For your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And I referenced Luke 9.23. Which basically says if anyone wishes to come after me, he must what? Deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow him. That's huge. I'm going to say this to you this morning. That because we're talking about love, I think the Lord wants us to receive something today. He said the same thing the first service. That coming in here and just sitting and listening and, and leaving with nothing is not what God wants for us today. But to receive something. And you know what that's going to take? It's going to take Luke 9.23. It's going to take saying, you know what? The flesh that is Alex needs to go. The flesh that is, fill in the blank with your name, needs to go. I'm going to use an analogy that if there's something planted in front of you and it's a weed, all right, nothing can take that place because that thing is occupying a space, right? In order for something healthy to grow in that place, you have to remove the weed, right? I'm going to go as far as to say, because this happened in first service, that the Lord wants to remove some things from you. But it's not remove and leave you exposed, it's because something else needs to be added. Amen? Amen? So I'm trying to communicate very lovingly about what this love is. And I'm not, look, I can't force you to do anything. I can't force you to receive anything. Christ doesn't force himself on people. He can, okay? He's powerful enough to do that. But he's not going to force you to change this morning. He's not going to force you to pull the weed out and then put life in its place. Does that make sense? But we have to choose that. Amen? Yeah, I'm just going to keep saying amen so you guys can talk to brother. You know? I don't know what it is about second service. Not that you guys are bad. Okay? But then verse 37, but in all these things we are overwhelmingly, we overwhelmingly conquer. That says to you guys, hey look, you just didn't get by by the skin of your teeth. See, the Lord wants to pour something out today. He wants to pour something out to you every day. It's not a slow drip. It's not this, oh, let me just give you enough to get by and then see you next week. You don't serve a God like that. 
You serve a God who wants to blow the top off of this building, blow the top off of your life. And pour into it. So then you what? Operate out of your overflow. Right? So then we get to today's text. Right? It's good stuff. It's just two verses. It's good. But it says this. But in, excuse me. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt. Depth, excuse me nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to work my way. Yes, amen to that. <laughs> you guys realize what's being said here in these two verses? In order for us to realize that, I'm going to work my way back up through the scripture, starting with love. And doing. I'm going to do the best I can to describe what... This agape love is. So you guys ready this morning? We're all on the same page? Good. So a lot of times you can describe things by what they're not. And it gives you a better understanding of what it is. Uh, I'm going to do both of that. I want to describe what agape love is by saying also what it's not. And it's important that we understand that. Because we can't get it miss, uh, we can't get it confused with stuff that comes from the world. Okay? So what is agape love? What's the definition of agape? You guys have heard me talk about love before. Agapeo, which sounds like agape, but it's not. Agape, love, but also starge, phileo. Those are two Greek translations of what that word means. Agape is the deepest of every single translation. And here's what it is. The essence of agape love is it's goodwill, it's benevolence, it's willful delight towards a person, but here's also what it is. It's unconditional. You have to understand that. It's unconditional. Now, when you come into a church and they're just preaching God's love and you hear that all the time and God is love, God is love, I'm asking you this morning, do you really understand how he loves you. You know the song, Oh How He Loves? Do you let that hit right here? Because there's times in our lives, ladies and gentlemen, where we disqualify ourselves according to ourselves. Here's what I've done. Here's what I thought. Here's where I've been. Here's the things that just whatever, whatever. Last night, yesterday, last year. And you say to yourself, I'm not worthy to be loved by Christ. And the answer to that question is, yes. We aren't, but guess what? He continues to give it. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of what people have done to you, he continues to give this love. Unconditional. Now what it's not is it's not romantic in nature at its foundation. It can be romantic, but at its foundation it's not that. It's also not a close friendship. And it's not brotherly love. Why? Because sometimes things happen to, our, it, to happen to us in our lives from other people, either in a romantic relationship or a close friendship or someone who is a brother or sister. And it takes this thing that is called love and it puts it in a bad light. Why? Because someone who I was in a relationship, what? Hurt me. 
So now what I do is I take love and I put it over here as something that I don't want to mess with that because it's connected to pain. Or the close friendship, the close relationship. Uh, I've had close friends walk in and out of my life. All right? But also that brotherly love. I love my sister to death. I do. Sometimes I want to shake the mess out of her and give her shaken sister syndrome, right? She's a good woman. But there's nothing she can do to unbe my sister, right? She could be at this place on the other side of the world and then she would still be my sister. But the love I have for her, what Christ is saying is that the love I have for you, son, for you, daughter, is deeper than anything you can really imagine. It's deeper than your brother. It's deeper than your sister. It's deeper than some romantic relationship. It's deeper than a close friendship. And you know what? Thank God. Because I tell you what, stuff has happened to me, and it's caused me to not want to love somebody, right? What if God did that to you? What if Christ did that to us? He said, you know what, look, I'm sorry, you just went too far, okay? I'm, I'm unloving you right now. What I appreciate is that his nature won't even allow him to do that. Amen? That's what agape love is. That's the way Christ loves you. He's continually coming after you. You guys with me this morning? Yes. But here's what it also is. It's faithfulness and it's a commitment. And ladies and gentlemen, it's an act of will. When you unconditionally love someone, they could spit in your face all day long and you keep giving it. It's faithfulness. Let me say this. It's Christ's faithfulness to us when we're not faithful to either to him or to ourselves. And again, I said this in 1 John 4, 8. God's nature is to love. Do you know that he's unable to act outside of his nature? Do we realize that? Now, the Lord through chapter 8 of Romans has taken my heart somewhere uh, that was scary to go. Very scary. <coughs> and it comes by way of, I'll just tell you the story. Um, I love my mom to death. I do. And I got to be careful when I say this that... Uh, because this can be taken the wrong way. I, growing up, I was a mama's boy, all right? <laughs> because I am my mom's son. And I, I, for whatever reason, I either had her wrapped around my finger or, or I was wrapped around her finger or whatever. But if I wanted something, I would know where to go to ask for it because I could probably get a yes, right? <laughs> but going to my pop, he was more of a disciplinary. It's not that he didn't love me. That's not it. It's not that he didn't communicate love to his kids. He did a great job at it. But he was more the disciplinary guy, right? So the, the day that mom, mom tried to spank me and I laughed at her, she was like, okay, wait till your dad gets home. I was like, wait, no, try it again. I'll, I swear I'll cry this time because I don't want to get whooped. You see my dad's triceps? Bigger than my head still, all right? It's ridiculous. So what we do... As humans, sometimes, whether it's your mother or your father or that um, guardian in your life, we can take that relationship and we can project it onto who Christ is. It's just a, it's a natural thing that we do. Is it right? 
No. But I found myself through college and through my, my early years of being the senior pastor here that I saw God more as a disciplinary than I did as a God of love. And that was a hard lesson to learn. A hard thing to be told, let me say that. Why? Because if you just do everything right, you'll get what you want. If you just show up and come to church and do all these Christian things, then he'll bless you. And I'm thinking to myself, well, where, where, am, I, where are my blessings? I don't, I don't know where my blessings are at, right? That's a form of self-righteousness. I want you to know God is not obligated to bless you. But guess what he does do? He does it anyway. Because he loves you. He is a God who establishes on the plate and foundation of love more than he does discipline, more than he does justice. He's a God of discipline. He's a God of justice. Everything in this world he sees. There's not a single thing you and I have done that he hasn't seen or will pass judgment on. That's why we don't judge each other. Amen? Amen. But he is a God who establishes by way of being in love with you. Do you understand that? If, as I'm speaking, you're thinking about your relationship with your earthly father and how you might have projected that onto your relationship with your heavenly father, the Lord might need to remove some stuff today. He might need to pull that weed out so that he can replace it with the reality of what love is. I want you to walk out here without something. Jesus wants to do something today. Amen? Amen. You guys with me? Amen. Yeah. So I'm going to jump back up to verse 38 and kind of pick through some of the things that Paul is communicating to us today. I just want to make sure that I didn't miss anything. And I do want to make this statement before we go back. This agape love, this unconditional love is not based on feeling. It is a determined act of love. One thing I appreciate so much about my pop. He goes on these football trips with CSU. He's always telling me, man, I can't stand not being next to mom or Vicky. He just can't wait to come home. It's a determined love. That no matter where he's at, he's just determined to get home. Do you know that Christ is that multiplied by a number that you can't really think about? Or Google, let's just say that. That's, that's how determined he is to love his children. But here's the last bit of this before we go back. It can only come from one source. So here we are thinking about and learning about what this agape love is, thinking that's a tall order. How am I ever going to be able to live up to that? Well, it's been set up that we can't conjure it up in and, our, in and of ourselves. Does it make sense when I say that? It only comes from one source. And if you look at Romans 5.5, 5, which is just a couple chapters back, I'm going to start in verse 3, and it says this, And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Here we go. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Do you know what this means? When you said yes to Christ, if it's poured out through Him, 
And he wants to give us gifts. God wants to give us gifts just as much as he wants to give Christ gifts. But you said yes to Christ and Christ is in you and we are supposed to be like Christ. We are supposed to be Christ. Oh, that, that statement will make sense later. Then that agape love, ladies and gentlemen, guess where it is? Guess where it resides? It's also in you. But it's not in you because of you. Do we understand that? It's in you because Jesus poured it out. And it's not a slow drip. <laughs> he wants the floodgates to open today. Are you with me? Hopefully I'm not putting some of you guys to sleep, huh? He wants to open those floodgates and pour into your life the reality of what love truly, truly is. But then Paul says this. He says, at the beginning of this uh, scripture, he says, For I am convinced. Everybody know what convinced means? It means to be persuaded. But what this word is saying is that he is not in the process of being persuaded. He has come to a conclusion and says, this is what I believe. Now, you know what's so interesting about this word? Is that as I've studied it and just, you know, you get on Google, whatever, you try to get a Webster definition, it's just super simple. Or you use the tools that you have to bust it open in the Greek and it's, there's just a lot to it, right? When I looked at this simple definition on Google, there was this little graph halfway down the page that I just scrolled to, and it shows you the usage of this word over time. And I told First Service this, like, I don't know if I was going to say this, but I think it hits a little bit more than what I thought. I'm not trying to over-spiritualize anything, right? This is just a stupid graph on Google. <laughs> it's not in the word. But it shows you from 1800 all the way up until now the usage of this word, convinced come to a conclusion, rested on something, believed in something, right? Not in the process of, but you're standing there. And it shows the decline of the use of this word over 200 some years. Now, I think that's interesting. You want to know why? Because I think we live now more so in a world that not being convinced gives way to just, let's all just love each other. It gives way to ambiguity. That I can be in and I can be out, but I won't be either because I don't want to piss anybody off, so I'm just going to be right here. I'm just going to stand lukewarm. I'm not going to make a decision. Do you understand that the, the Lord is calling the church forward to be convinced? Ladies and gentlemen, I got to ask you, what are you convinced by? Are you convinced by everything that's being said to you? Are you convinced by the addiction? Are you convinced by those things that are killing you? And I'm not talking like, well, you know, today I had a good day, yesterday it was kind of better, hope tomorrow's good, or I wake up at least. I'm talking about the things that are stealing your life right now. Stealing years away from you. Are you convinced by those? Or are we convinced that God is for us, then who can be against us? That in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer. May. That, that overwhelmingly conquered just strikes a chord in me because that's what my name means. Alexander means to conquer. Figure out what your name means. But he speaks to me through that. Overwhelmingly conquer. See, I'm convinced by that. What are you convinced by? Now, we got to understand who's saying this. Paul is saying this, right? 
Man, that's a big statement for Paul. Why is it a big statement? Well, let's, let's read in 2 Corinthians. Let's get that cross-reference cross -reference up there. It's 2 Corinthians 11. And I put 11b in your um, handout there because verse 20, uh, excuse me, 21b. Um, verse 21, it just starts in the middle of that verse. That's really all that means. But it says this. It's ten verses, so bear with me. I'm not going to apologize for reading Scripture because that's, hey, what we're supposed to be doing at church, right? I don't know why I don't hear, like, pages flipping. You guys got your phones out or something? Hey, bring your Bible. You're at church. Okay. <laughs> wouldn't bring your, would not bring your helmet to a football game now, would you? That'd be weird. Anyway, here's what it says in verse 21, halfway through verse 21, in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. And this is Paul, okay, defending his apostleship. He says, But in whatever respect anyone else is bold, I speak in foolishness, I am just as bold myself. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received the Jews 39 lashes. 39. He, he had that five times. We understand that Jesus took 39 one time, right? This doesn't put Paul above Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But let's just continue reading. Five times he took that. Three times I was beaten with rods. That's verse 25. Once I was stoned. Three times. I keep losing my place here. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day. I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers. Dangers from rod, robbers. Dangers from countrymen. My countrymen. Dangers from the Gentiles. Dangers in the city. Dangers in the wilderness. Dangers on the sea. Dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me concerning of uh, me, uh, excuse me, me of concerning for all the churches. Who is weak without me being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? Verse 30. If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. Verse 31. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. And then the chapter concludes with 32 and 33. Anybody in here ever been through something tough? <laughs> Every hand should go up, right? Oh, wait, no, we got some. We don't have anybody in here ever been through anything Bad? No, we're good. Teach me your ways then. Oh, Lord. I'm sure you've been through something that, that you've lost sleep over. I'm sure you've been through something that has literally physically made you sick. I also think that maybe some people have done things to you that have made you lose sleep and have made you physically sick. Has anybody ever been through, well, something physically and emotionally painful? Every woman who's had a child in this room should raise their hand, right? I mean, that's, that's something, right? 
I got to be careful when I say this because in first service, I caught myself. I said, hey, think about that one thing that was crazy hard for you. And I don't want to like bring us to revisit that. I'm not saying that. But I, I want to reference that time. Not only in my life, but your life. That how often do we refer back to that point? And it has too much of a say in what we're doing right now. And it begins to convince you of something other than what Scripture is saying. See, the reason why the beginning of the Scripture today is so potent coming from Paul is because we just read what Paul went through. And he's saying, I still believe. He's saying, I've come to a conclusion. I'm standing on something and I'm not moving. Regardless of what I've been through, regardless of what people have done to me, regardless of that time where I was flat on my face trying to figure it out, I got up, tried to do it myself, fell back down, and it just kept going. Kept going. Are you with me today? See, my question for you right now, ladies and gentlemen, are you convinced that if he is for you, who can be against you? Are you convinced that you are an adopted son and daughter of Christ? And that he does not leave his children by the wayside? Everybody in here knows, hopefully, the Schweitzers. You've seen them because they have 1,300 kids walk in with them. Right? They've got a lot of them. They've got two little boys that they're in the process of trying to make a part of the family. What happens if Cheyenne would just wake up one day and be like, you know what, I'm good. I'm going to raise the white flag today and just unadopt you guys. Like, how horrible would that be? Right? The Lord would never do that with you. Thank God the Schweitzers would never do that to their children. But do you understand that the love that God has for you, he will never unadopt his children. There's nothing you can do to get him to do that. Are you convinced by that? Or... Are we convinced by the hardships, the troubles, the things that we go through that are just, they're just tough? Now, I'm not trying to make those small or insignificant because what do they do? They help shape us in certain ways. They sure do. But why does that have to have more of a say than what God says? Amen? Why does the addiction have to have more of a say than what he says about overcoming the addiction? Why does the cyclical way of living... There's no amount of, sorry, drugs, sex, um, anything that comes from this world that you can put into this God-shaped void that is going to fill it the way he can. Are you convinced? Have you come to a conclusion? But what Paul does in the rest of these, these scriptures is he says, he goes from this kind of above and below way of, of, of describing the next, uh, the next set of scriptures. Um, and he did it a little bit in uh, verse 35. Verse 35 and um, verse 38, back half of verse 38 and front half of verse 39, connect well. I'm going to read 35. It says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? That's agape as well. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? But then Paul then again says in 38, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, depth, nor any other created things will do one thing. Will be able to do what? Separate us from this agape love. Now this word separate is huge. And I try to find a, a catchy title. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. But the title that we have for today is Divine Fusion. You guys know what fusion means. It's when you take one thing, okay, you take another thing, you put those two things together, and they cease in their duality. They become one. They become one entity. Does that make sense? So here's what's being communicated to us throughout this scripture that Paul is convinced, he's come to a conclusion that there is nothing on this list that can break up that divine fusion. And when did that divine fusion happen? When you said yes to Christ. He took care of his job on the cross. And he took sin and kicked it out the door. Doesn't mean we're not sinful. There's consequences to sin. There is. There still is. But the consequence to sin is death. And he took that for us. So he took care of his. But then he made us this other piece. He made me and broke the mold. He made Luke and broke the mold. He made Opal and broke the mold. And he said, the moment that you said yes to me, there was a fusion that happened there. Now, have you ever seen two pieces of metal getting welded together? And then when that piece is then sanded or, or, or the seam is grinded off, you can't even tell that it was two pieces. You really can't. Well, that, that, that seam was sin. And the Lord grafted himself in with you and, and you in with him to become one entity. You got to understand this, that it's not Christ over here and me over here or you over here. He's saying, the love that I have for you is that when you say yes to me, we are then one. And nobody can tell the difference. It's seamless. Does that make sense? The source of this love comes from Christ. And when it comes out, people say, I don't see Isaiah. I see Christ. I don't see Brooks. I see Christ. <coughs> I don't see Vicky. I see Christ. I don't see Therese. I see Christ. That doesn't mean that you're insignificant. It doesn't mean that who he made me to be all of a sudden I got to not be myself. No, it's not that. It's just these two things come together and it's seamless. Now if you read through this list, the type of power that angels have, the principalities have, the, the type of power that death had that Jesus overcame and life, Angels, principalities, what comes next? I learned that if you're too far away from your Bible, you just keep repeating things until you get back to it so you can read it. So that's what I'm doing, all right? That was supposed to be funny, but nobody laughed. My mom laughs because, well, she's my mom, all right? It says, nor things present, nor things to come, right? I always get reminded of this quote that came out of uh, this movie, After Earth, with Will Smith. All right? It's a good movie. It's not scripture. So, okay, take it for what it's worth. But he starts talking about fear. And he goes through this explanation. 
And he says, we oftentimes set up for ourselves scenarios that may not ever happen and at present aren't even happening. And he continues by saying, fear is a choice. So when I read this, it says, nor, uh, uh, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present right now, tangible things, or things to come. All the scenarios that I build up in my head where I'm failing. All the scenarios that I build up in my head that I'm even successful in. We're not even there yet. Those things may never happen. But for whatever reason, I'm fearing something that hasn't even come to pass yet. That can't even separate me from the love of Christ. You guys with me in this stuff? Right? Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. That one right there kind of hits home. We are all in here, created things, right? I know that that can cover trees and dogs and animals and inanimate objects, all created things, but what about each other? Am I doing what I can to build you up or am I doing what I can to, to, to try to separate you or, or, or cause you to have to guard yourself from being separated from Christ? See, we can't do this by ourselves. The cross wasn't put up the way it was put up on accident. There's a vertical relationship and then there's a horizontal relationship, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> am I adding to your life or am I making it hard? Am I building you up by what Scripture says? Am I adding to you by what Scripture says? Or am I trying to take away? Consciously or subconsciously, I don't know. The church is here to build each other up. Amen? All of these things will, be, will not be able to separate us, to break the fusion, the divine fusion that was created from the love of God. And then this last bit, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to tell you right now, you can't conjure it up. You can't produce it. But when you become fused with him, you become a vessel for, for that agape love to come out. I cannot love Beck unless I ask God to show me how he sees him. Can't. I can't love Kurt unless the Lord says, Look, this is what Kurt needs. You guys ever heard of the five love languages? It's good stuff, right? It's not even in the Word. <laughs> it's not even biblical, but guess what? Words of affirmation. It's a good thing, right? I'm not going to trample over this stuff, but am I speaking scripture to somebody? That's going to build them up? Or am I just saying, hey, look, man, nice polo you got on. I just want to tell you, you did good at dressing yourself today. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or am I saying, look, Luke, man, God has created you, brother, to go and get all of them. All of them. Not just a few. Because of what he's put in you. Man. See how different that is? When we ask God to show each other how he sees one another. Agape love can come through quicker than what you think and you don't have to second guess it. He's going to pull the weed and put something else in there. Say, let me show you really what it means to love somebody. Amen? Amen. Come on now. Well, let's, 
Let's get ready to close this morning because we do have to take, since it's the first Sunday of the month, we're going to have communion presented up here um, for us to take. Can I get the worship team back out uh, and get prepared for our offering as we close? But does that make sense to you guys this morning? For I am convinced, I got to read this one more time. It says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things uh, present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able, have the power to separate us from the agape love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It just makes so much more sense after all that. I want to encourage you guys this morning to receive that. Uh, I have a hard time receiving love. <laughs> just be honest. I have a hard time. Why? Because I didn't do anything to deserve it, to, to, to like deserve that. Someone gives you a gift, I'm like, oh, well, let me paint your house or fix some holes in your wall and then I'll be deserving of whatever it is that you gave me. See, Christ isn't asking you if you feel worthy right now or if you've done something for him in this moment to receive. I'm telling you right now, he wants you to receive something. And it's this depth of love that there's nothing that he would let come between you and him. Is it the same from us to him? Would we let something come between our relationship and him? Just want to let that one sink in. I do believe the Lord wants to uproot some things. That can be a scary thing. But I want you to know what he puts in that place. If you would just trust him for a moment. It's going to be greater than your wildest dreams. You will obtain the things that you've been asking for your entire life. Anybody in here want that? <laughs> I do. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> Let's, uh, you guys can come on down here, Jared. You can go ahead on. <laughs> I'll just pray for this and then I'll lead you guys through communion and we can, we can go from there. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for what you're doing today in the hearts of the people. Uh, through your word and how you just you cut right to the chase you cut to the quick it's for a purpose Lord because you want the real stuff to come to the come to the surface and I pray for that that all of who you've made us to be Lord would rise to the surface that you would call us out according to the children that you've made us to be and we would just function that way Father Father I thank you for this opportunity to give Lord, I pray that we can give joyfully and see it as worship. See it as an act of, of love back towards you, Father. Being able to just communicate, you know what, Father, you're my resource. Uh, you're my provider. And we want to give you what's yours. So we can glorify you with that. So, Father, bless the offering. Um, and show us what you want to do with the rest of the service. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can go ahead and pass that there.
So, scripture's pretty clear on communion. Um, and just what the representation of communion is, it's, it's remembering what Jesus did on the cross. And that remembrance being connected to a change that has happened in us as a result. So what scripture says is if, if you've never prayed the prayer to give your life to Christ for the first time where you say, Lord, I want you to come into my heart as my Lord and personal Savior. Um, he says to not take communion because you don't really understand what you're doing. But why don't we just give the call? So if there's anybody in here who wants to give their life to Christ for the first time, we can partake in this. Maybe it's this love piece that's got your attention. How am I supposed to give love when I'm not connected to the Father? Well, He wants to be connected to His children. He wants to be connected to every individual on this earth who He knew before they were knitted in their mother's womb. Maybe there's something that I have said that's gotten you to a place where you're ready to make that jump. You're ready to raise your hand. You're ready to come into the kingdom and then now operate with this agape love in you. So let's, let's ask the Father if He would have anybody do that in this moment. So Father, just, just pray with me. Father, thank you so much for uh, just the Word of God and what you're doing. And Lord, if there's anything that has, has been communicated today from you, from your scripture, that has moved somebody's heart from a place of, of, of understanding, Lord, that uh, they just can't do it on their own anymore. But they want to be connected to this lifeblood, this source, this, this, this love uh, that you show us in your scripture that comes from you. Lord, if they have come to a place where they understand that it's not about them, it's about you. They want to transfer their trust from themselves to you, Father, taking everything that they know about you and, and, and letting that become heart knowledge instead of just head knowledge. And then letting that translate to our limbs, to our feet. We go walk it out. But God, if you're working on somebody and they want to pray that prayer for the first time, I just if that's you, put your hand in the air and, and we'll pray. And welcome you into the kingdom. And you will know <laughs> where you're going when you leave this earth. That's the best part. You'll be sure of it. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So what we're going to do, you can stand up. You can come down the center aisle. I got communion on my right and my left. Get what you need. Go back to your seat. You can take communion whenever you want. But just know that I'm going to pray us through it. So, uh, yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's rise to our feet. Let's come on down here. Get what you need. Go back to your seat and then we'll close the service.
Thank you for what you're doing in this moment. And Lord, it's, it's just, you, 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 you made it real simple in Scripture where you're sitting in front of your disciples at this Last Supper and you, you pick up a piece of bread and you pass it around. And I don't really know if the disciples knew what you were doing at the moment. But Lord, it was significant. It was changing history. And you broke this piece of bread. You pass it around. And you begin to explain to your disciples what the significance of that bread meant. That it was your body, your flesh, that was to be sacrificed on our behalf, my behalf. That's what was needed in that moment. And you told your disciples to, to do this in remembrance of you. So Father, what we have in our hand that represents the bread, we eat that right now. And we do that in remembrance of the flesh that you gave, your body on behalf of all mankind so that we would be on the status of redeemed with you, Father. We thank you for that. And then you did the same with what was in the cup. And you passed that around to your disciples as well, explaining to them, Lord, that that represented the blood that you spilt for your children. It was the only thing that would account or would be enough to wipe away our record book of sin and bring us to a place Lord where we no longer have to deal with the penalty of sin which is death you took care of that all of this Father you were in uh, the garden of Gethsemane asking the Father to take this cup from you to take let this pass to somebody else but after that Lord you said your will be done not mine so Father what's in the cup we drink that we, we drink that in remembrance of you because that trek to the cross the toughest journey any man has ever taken Father you did that with me on, on your mind you did that with us on your mind and so Father we just take a moment we take a moment to just get our hearts aligned with you to be in one accord with you Father Whatever we have to say, whatever we have to pray, Lord, we want to do that right now and just talk to you. If it's confessing that we haven't seen you as a loving God, then Lord, arrest us in that. Arrest us where we're at, Lord. So that we can be right with you. Lord, we take a moment. I just thank you for the conversation, Father, that you're having with each one of us on an individual level, also corporately. God, I pray that we can leave this place a changed individual, a changed people. 
because these facts, these things that come out of the word have been effectual. They've gotten to us, Lord. They've cut through the flesh. They've gotten into that little boy and that little girl. And Lord, you're raising us up. You're raising us up from being lifeless. You're telling that little boy to get up off the ground who's been knocked down. You're telling that little girl she's beautiful because that's the way you made her, Father. Thank you for that. Lord, we love you. We need you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning as we close. We're just going to sing this one time and then I'm going to let y'all go. Amazing love, how can it be that you might die for me? Oh, amazing love, yeah, yeah. make that last line kind of our prayer for the rest of the week that no matter what we find ourselves doing in all that I do I want to honor you Father and all that I say I want to honor you and Lord how I treat other people and what I do when I'm with my brother or my sister Father I want to honor you in that and Lord it's, it's fun it's, it's, it's an easy thing to do when you see each other the way that you see us so, Father, we love you. We thank you. Oh, my goodness, do we need you. We need you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. You guys are free to go.
stressing, I ain't stressing now. Feeling real good about life. Been a blessing, been a blessing now. Learn these things through the pain and the strife. When you move, when you move on. When you climb those hills, you had to climb. There's a mountain in the way every time, but I survive. Oh, I. I'm good. Two dollars in my pocket, I'm good. They trying to get me caught up, I'm good. And I ain't never going back, cause I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. And if they want it, they can get it, I'm good. Tell them, man, I'm coming with it, I'm good. And if they think that I'ma quit it, I'm Happen, we really don't know. All that matters is that you don't fall. Keep pushing on and on. I'm good. Two dollars in my pocket, I'm good. They tryna get me caught up, I'm good. And I ain't never going back, cause I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. And if they want it, they can get it, I'm good. Tell them that I'm coming with it, I'm good. And if they think that I'ma quit it, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Sometimes I get fed up, up, but you gotta keep your head up, head up. Don't you give up, give up. Not here to be a quitter, quitter. It's good, all good. Made it through things I never thought I would. They never thought I could, but now I know, I know I'm good. Two dollars in my pocket, I'm good. They tryna get me caught up, I'm good, and I ain't never. Cause I'm good, yeah I'm good, yeah I'm good And if they want it, they can get it, I'm good Tell them that I'm coming with it, I'm good And if they think that I'ma quit it, I'm good Yeah I'm good, man I'm good
of injustice no longer hold me You've given the keys to victory You said it is finished, the battle is won We'll tell of your mercy and how we've overcome And I'm free to be, I'm free to be who I am I'm free to love the one who came and died for me, yeah I'm free to shout, I'm free to shout your great love I'm gonna tell of all you love, oh yeah, I'm free to be.